major spoilers theme song. Major spoilers theme song. Hello, everybody. This is a major spoilers podcast special movie edition with very special hosts. I'm Jason Inman. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. Now, you may be asking yourself, where's Steven? Where's Rodrigo? Where's the sidekick? Where's Zach? Right? Mm -hmm. You know, well, actually, Steven and the gang could not go see X-Men Days of Future Past early, but uh, we could. And so they asked us to review X-Men Days of Future Past for you. Uh, if you don't know, we're writers and contributors for the site. Yeah. So it's okay that we kind of <laughs> sort of co-opted the, the podcast. We didn't co-op. Well, Stephen asked us, and, and so we happily obliged. We did. Yes. So we just saw X-Men Days of Future Past yeah. literally like 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And, um, of course... This being major spoilers, there will be huge, huge spoilers. spoilers. So if you haven't watched the movie, you know, at come this point. Come back later. Yeah, please, please come back later because <laughs> it's actually, you know, a, a quite decent movie. I'll say it right up front. I happily enjoyed myself. And so you should happily enjoy yourself. Yeah, it's awesome. Ashley, I want to start off real quick. We're going to, you know, really quickly, I think I think we should just, you know, talk through the movie. Cool. Through a synopsis of the movie and just, you know, see what sparks our imagination of this Ooh. review. But I want to ask a question right up front that I think everybody else wants to know. Okay, no pressure. Does this X-Men movie suck? No, it's awesome and I want to see it like nine more times. You want to see it nine more times? <laughs> yeah, it was that totally. good. Yeah. Wow. I'm definitely like see it as many times in the theater as possible kind of person. I saw Return of the King 11 times do you when feel, I was a child. Do you, do you feel there was enough in this movie that like there's enough layers that you would get more from it? Upon multiple viewings? Uh, yeah. And I think the same sort of things would probably bother me, but I would be able to get over that and enjoy more of the, the story and the depth that it plays with. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, let's just, let's just kind of talk about it. So, you know, it starts off in the crazy future, right? Well, it starts <laughs> off it starts off in New York. It does. And then it, and then it jumps to Moscow, which I was surprised to see Moscow. And, and then, then it jumped to China. It was really cool to see Moscow. Um, it was cool to see Colossus in in Russia with a really American dialect. Yeah, we got to see. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I think I think that guy's great as Colossus. Well, we got to see some. So we got to see some new mutants. We got to see yeah. Bishop. Who, he was great for the one line he had. Mm -hmm. Although they made his power absorption more of like it was like channeling into a gun, which, which I'm okay it with. It was okay with for for the defensive purposes against the Sentinels, but yeah. Well, yeah, so we, like, yeah they're in a far, far future. Uh, we Ten could, whole year, yeah, nine Wiki years. Well, Wikipedia says it's 2023. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Chris Claremont said it was 2013. In the original so. comic books, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> And so the Sentinels are hunting the X-Men, and the Sentinels are also hunting humans, and the Sentinels basically- Well, the humans that can carry mutant genes to future generations. Exactly. That was I th that I thought was a very interesting point, that they, they, they said that eventually the Sentinels could figure out who which of the normies yeah, yeah. were going to have mutant uh, that's, babies. That's from the comic books as well. That's alluded to. Is it? Very slightly in the beginning during all the exposition, they allude to that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not really flushed out the way it is in the story. Now, and, oh. and they said in X2 that this is just an interesting piece of trivia, um, that they know that the mutant genus carried on the father's side. So oh. I'm assuming there's like no men, and it's very much like why the last man in the future, where <laughs> everybody wears this sleek black leather and has a monkey, and 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 and, and, and has uh, you know, did you like the costumes? Did you like the future X Men costumes because they were sort of like a weird black leather X Men mixed with almost like Dark Knight body armor? Yeah, I didn't have a problem with them. I don't have a problem with the like weird leather fetish costumes of the regular. I actually had a huge problem with the the future. X-Men costumes. I thought they looked dopey and stupid. Um, they looked a little more video game than yes. I probably would have liked, but we didn't see enough of them that it was a huge hindrance for mm -hmm. me. So, All right, so, you know, the Sentinels are hunting everybody. Yeah, they're we scary. See, we see Bishop. We get introduced to a very cool Blink. Yeah. And Blink with her teleporting powers. Cooler is... than Blink has any reason to be. Oh, yeah. She's so, so good. Like, that right there maybe be like, okay, uh, 20th Century Fox, it's time to maybe consider an Exiles movie. Yeah, it's totally. That, it's that cool. Uh, so you learn that they get attacked by the Sentinels, mm -hmm. and then Kitty Pride can send Bishop back in time, his consciousness, to his previous body yeah. to warn them that the Sentinels are coming and then the Sentinels never attack. And of course, yeah. Charles Xavier and Magneto and Wolverine find out about this and that's and how they, they hatch the grand plan mm -hmm. to do this. The biggest problem I have with this movie 
is with the statement I just said. Me too. They never explain uh. why Kitty Pride can transport somebody's consciousness through time. Yeah, and I I love Kitty Pride. She's longstanding, one of my favorite X-Men characters, one of my favorite characters in comics. And I had a problem with that she could... F- I'm doing air quotes that you can't see, that she could phase people back through time. That bothered me. And the fact that Ellen Page was totally phoning in her performance. Oh, really Ellen bo- Page? Because I like Ellen Page. Wanted nothing to do with this no, movie. She, every, t- she took that paycheck and ran. Every one of their lines, she's like, oh, I had to hold Bobby's hand. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's another thing that I wanted to really quickly point out that mm-hmm. I thought was cool. They did a quick shot at the very beginning of the movie of all the prisoners that are being held by the Sentinels and stuff. Um... I liked seeing the children, uh, this is kind of weird, the children with the branded M on their eyes. Yeah, there were a lot of them. Very shadow. I love that. Because I'm a big (laughs) Bishop fan. Yeah. It's a little weird. Uh, Now, the Sentinels had the power to absorb mutants' powers. And to create, yeah, and to create the best defense against them. But did they look a little bit too much like the Asgardian Destroyer? Because I think so. Oh, they totally did. Because they opened their face exactly (laughs) like the Asgardian Destroyer and they would zoom zoom that firepower. (laughs) Yeah, and... and, and, um, I was like, somebody has watched Thor a little bit too much here, Brian Singer. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, I mean, Tom Hiddleston's hot, so maybe that's why you watch Thor. (laughs) Did you like the future Sentinels? I did like the future Sentinels. I thought it was the best the Sentinels have ever looked. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were actually scary. I actually like the red Retro Sentinels better. Uh, you're I, wrong. I like the 1970 <laughs> Sentinels because I like I like that they had this little fan in their chest that could flip down and be like. Oh That's yeah, that's my sound effect. Right yeah, there. it sounded pretty much like that. I like the future ones best too because we got to see a lot of them actually murdering the X Men. Holy crap! And it we was did. really like upsetting. Like I didn't weep over anyone, but I was like, "Wow, they just crushed Bobby's head, and oh, they just ripped Colossus in half." <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of murder and death in in this movie a lot. If you, if your if your fantasy is to see the X Men brutally murdered on screen, this is the film for you. Oh, this is the movie for you. Like this is a two thumbs up movie for you. Um, oh, I snorted. I'm really sorry. <laughs> it was not nice. Um, so, okay, they hatch the plan that they can send Wolverine back in time, right? Yeah. And they send him back to 1973 because that's when Mystique is going to shoot Bolivar Trask. Yeah. You know, the amazing Peter Dinklage, who I thought was pretty dang good in this movie, even though he really didn't. He didn't really have anything to do in this movie. He was great. He showed up and delivered his lines, and he played the Mystique part really great. And he wore a mustache so well. Uh, sure. Yeah, it happened. That's how I feel about the mustache. The mustache just showed up on his lip, and it totally happened. Now, I love the scene where Wolverine wakes up. He wakes up, and he's looking at a lava lamp, and it's really cool. And he's like, he's apparently Wolverine in the 70s worked for a mob guy. because It was like a a protector of the mob boss's daughter. Yeah, yeah, so the mob guy's- sleeping with Yeah, he was sleeping with a mob daughter, and they tried to shoot him, and he's like, oh, you don't want to do this, bub. That was really cool when all the bullets popped out of his Mm -hmm. skin. I like that. I like the little callback text, too. I think this movie- was the most Wolverine Hugh Jackman has ever been. The closest to the comic book Wolverine he's ever been because that scene, and he has a couple of their scenes later. Which we'll talk uh, about. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we can skip ahead just on this one little thing. There's a scene later where, where Magneto gets all mad. and he On pull, the airplane. On the airplane. And he pulls all the things out. Of, uh, uh, it makes a big mess, basically. And Wolverine is like, you're gonna pick that. You're gonna pick that stuff up, Bob. He actually cusses during that, but I won't say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's very Wolverine. It's the Wolveriniest he's ever been. He was more Wolverine than in either of the origin flicks. Exactly. Which was really cool. <laughs> um, now, so he goes to the mansion and mm-hmm. he sees that Professor X doesn't have his powers because Professor X is so mad that he can't walk again that he's been injecting himself with a DNA treatment. To get rid of his powers, but it lets him walk. Yeah. And he's addicted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, A little how... bit Sherlock Holmes-esque. Yeah? How so? Uh, just the addiction and the brilliant mind. It just always makes me think of Sherlock shooting up uh, cocaine. What did you think of James McAvoy's transformation as the Xavier of the 1970s compared to what we saw him in first class? Um, I actually really liked him. As the more sort of messed up, tormented Professor X. I had mixed feelings about him in first class. Uh And I thought he did a really, really good job. And maybe it was because he had more uh, like messed up emotional life to play. So he had more to work with. But I thought it was great. Um, I thought the nose piece worked. Yeah. He looked like Patrick Stewart. They gave James McAvoy a nose in this movie. Not a a big one. But but... enough that like it was because that like there's that one shot that they even showed in the trailers where it's Patrick Stewart looking profile on with James McAvoy. 
And if they didn't have, Patrick Stewart just has. He's a, got a beak. He's got a heck of a schnoz. <laughs> and James McAvoy doesn't. No. And you, it, it would be noticeable. Yeah. It would be very noticeable. The, the one shot I really noticed it in is when, and this is skipping ahead a little bit, but they're all wet because the sprinkler systems come on. Mm-hmm. And um, you could kind of see the edges of the makeup ripping off. Oh, seriously? Yeah. So that was the, that was oh, the one okay. time I really noticed it. Um, I actually thought that James McAvoy as Xavier was weaker in this movie really? than the first movie. Interesting. Uh, Is it because you don't like that side of him? You no, want no, no, him to no. be the strong leader? Well, I didn't mind that. I just thought that that there were a lot of acting choices that James McAvoy made that I thought were very kind of the cliche because they introduced mm. this whole thing that he was addicted to his DNA treatment and they sort of made him like a drug addict and they and they yeah. and they really harped on that because they they did close-ups of the syringe yeah it's a little it's a little train spotting it's a little creepy well it was all yeah and it was very uh like heroin-esque and they they had him tying off his arm and james mcavoy played that exactly the same way we've seen in so many other movies maybe james mcavoy's never done heroin Mm. (laughs) that's true all right that's a good enough point for me moving on (laughs) (laughs) okay so we learn that Magneto is in the bottom of the Pentagon, and they're like, we got to bust them out. And so uh, Wolverine, who somehow knows this person in the future, says, like, we got to get Quicksilver. Yeah. And so we go and meet Peter. They never call him, uh, uh, what would be the correct way? It's Piotr? Piotr or Piotr, depending on which mm. um, region of Russia yes. you're from. Maximov. Well, they never say his next, they just call him Peter. Or, yeah, or if he's from, you know, made up Marvel country, the pronunciation could be anything. What do you think of Quicksilver? I thought Quicksilver looked stupid. Yeah. Uh, the costume was stupid. It makes a little more sense. It was all sense. silver. Yeah. It was all, that was the problem, I think, because his hair is silver, the yeah. goggles are silver, the coat is silver. Um, it makes a little more sense when you see him in the era. Like, I was more forgiving when I saw it in the film than when I had first seen the promo mm-hmm. images, but the little nugget who played him from American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. And Kick-Ass. Uh, sure. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Was so good. He was good. He was so good. He was really good. And I was like, wow, Quicksilver's never been this cool. Yeah. Quicks- ever. Quicksilver almost stole the movie. If he'd had more scenes, he would have yeah. stole. He's only in two scenes. He's only in it like he's only in he's it. He's got like three scenes and then a little baby scene at he's the end. He's maybe in fifteen minutes. Maybe. Yeah. And he's got the best lines. Uh yeah, he has the best lines and he has the best action scene of the entire, entire movie. Film, yeah. So what they did is uh, he goes into the Pentagon and he zooms in and gets Magneto out of his cell. And then... Uh, and makes a really, really funny joke because he asks Magneto, so what is it that you do? And he's like, I control metal. And then Peter says, oh, my mom once knew a guy like who could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was so Which they do a little shout out. And all the little nerds were like, yes! Well, in my head canon... You know, Magneto is his father. Of course. I, I don't care what that movie tries to say or, or tries no, to make I, Havoc I, older than Cyclops. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was very clever where he put his hand behind Magneto's head and Magneto was like, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm protecting your neck from, from whiplash. whiplash. And, and Magneto goes, what do you mean? And then he like split seconds, <laughs> runs like a mile and then suddenly he's like, oh. And then I also like, this is a fact that I think would be very true if somebody had super speed. Magneto was sick. He had motion sickness yeah. and he and he took like three minutes, this whole, whole entire elevator ride. To get over to it. To get over it. And I was like, that's 100% true. You would be so sick. I think that's... Um... And I'm electing to, to choose this because I like to give actors a lot of credit. Um, I think that was a fast-bender choice, probably more than a script choice. You think him, so? Him taking that amount of time. To get over it. Yeah, because and I also think that if you were writing that in a comic book scene, I don't know if that would happen. It, it, he would be okay. It would be hard to play it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you get the still panels. It'd be hard to, like, represent that time. Yeah. Although the, the, the whiplash line, I thought, was smart. That's a, <laughs> that's a, I hope that's a writer that did that. Um, I, think, I think it was. But then they get up to the, to the kitchen. Yeah. And in the kitchen, there's, like, 25 guards. And it suddenly goes into the super, super slow-mo. Be- but then Quicksilver can actually move at normal speed. And we see him run around the room uh, um, it, to If I Had Time in a Bottle. Yeah. By, uh, <laughs> I can't remember the artist's name. Was uh, it, is it? It's not Pink Floyd because Pink Floyd's the T-shirt no, he's no, wearing. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not Pink Floyd. But, but, he is but all the Pink humans Floyd. have fired bullets and Magneto, because he's in a room with metal now, has taken all the knives in the kitchen and launch them towards the human, and Quicksilver runs about, makes everybody punch themselves, mm-hmm. and pushes all the bullets and the knives out of the way, and it's awesome. It's really, really good, and that is the scene 
that I remember when they were in production mm-hmm. that they talked about that they were filming at like 2,000 frames per second. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's They filmed that at 2,000 frames per second. And the interesting fact is, is that I remember reading an article where Brian Singer said that they had to light that set brighter than any other set. Because of how many frames? Because of the frames, uh, because hmm. of the camera, the film stock made it darker. And it's white walls. True. Well, that's probably why they made it white walls, to help reflect oh, more light. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, like, it was interesting to see that scene because it looked great. It did. It reminded me of um, the scene in Inception when the room is turning and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is running around it, which is actually a Fred Astaire thing from like the 40s. Uh-huh. But it reminded me of that, but it was just much better it, done. It was, it, like, yeah, <laughs> it was by far the best action piece of the entire movie. And yeah. I will say this, I was really worried about Quicksilver in this movie. I was super worried. And I'm so glad that he works. He's awesome. I want more Quicksilver and X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, and Avengers now has a lot to live up to. True. Um, Sony threw that gauntlet down, and they've got legs to stand on now. Yeah. Oh, you 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox. Sorry. Sony's Spider-Man. Sony's Spider-Man. Uh, oh, properties. Yeah, yeah. True. The bar, the ball <laughs> is now in Joss Whedon's court to make Quicksilver kick-ass. Yeah, yeah. No pun intended, because they're both in kick-ass, and one of them is kick-ass. Do you get it? I get it. Ah. I just haven't seen kick-ass. <laughs> 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 Moving right along. Yeah, let's move on. Okay, so there is a question that I want to ask you right now. It was so- it. something I was very confused about, and there's another nitpick of this movie. We can nitpick. This movie has a lot of holes in it. Yeah, well, it's an X-Men time travel story. Yes. Well, one is a time I mean, travel story. At least story. they're not in space. Yeah, yeah. It's a time <laughs> travel story. And the other thing about it is is there's a lot of things that they just gloss right over. Yeah. And we had this conversation before the movie. I'll bring it up really quickly. Uh, you know, you saw X-Men Last Stand. You know sure that <laughs> Professor X died and then he he jumped no, he disintegrated well he well he died yeah, yeah. but then his he took his consciousness if you watch all the way to the mm-hmm. end of the credits into this other person magneto lost his powers mm-hmm. they show up in 2023 yeah professor x was alive magneto has his powers they never explain why and i was the <laughs> one that was like before the movie i was like they've got to explain this they've got to explain this and you were like i was like no you're not going to get any reference to it and they didn't <laughs> they did not explain it you, just like kitty's powers we saw some we saw some clips of x3 so you know it's still in it's still the in film continuity canon. Um, but they don't reference stuff like that directly i think that is a little bit of brian singer's like hey, you guys can stuff it. I have to accept <laughs> this movie, but I'm not accepting any of the rules it laid down mm-hmm. and nerds to you. I'm going to retcon it all anyway. Well, I brought up the whole plot holes thing. <laughs> yeah. Because they introduced this idea that Magneto was in the bottom of the Pentagon yeah. because oh, this. <laughs> he supposedly assassinated Kennedy. Which is actually a really cool idea. It is a cool idea, but he says that he was only bending the bullet. And he says probably the most confusing line in his entire movie where Magneto says that he was trying to save Kennedy because JFK was a mutant. Yeah, and everyone in the cinema groaned. Yes. Everyone was just like, really? And that's as, really? that's as far as it goes. And they just drop it. Yeah, it seems strange that if you're going to drop something like that and i mean when you pick a historical figure someone who actually existed it's it's a much bigger i think leap of logic and suspension of disbelief to make but then to not follow up on it in any way is kind of like you're just going to it's going to leave that hanging there well it's it's huge <laughs> yeah it's a huge i mean the jfk assassination is such a monumental american event yes it is so big and to introduce that into a storyline is almost like that's almost what the movie should have been about. It's a bit of a Chekhov's gun. A little bit. A little bit. And, and it bothered me so much that it's like, it. I, I think they were like, okay, we need to have Magneto in a prison. How we, do we fix it? What's the best crime? Oh, he murdered JFK. It, <laughs> yeah, because and, and, it just, it's so swept under the rug. Yeah, it screams plot device. Exactly. And, and, and so much to a point that like, 
Charles at first is very angry at Magneto, right? Mm-hmm. Which you would be if you thought your best friend murdered the president of the United States. Well, the first time he meets him, he punches him in the face. Well, true. It's pretty great. But that's about as far as it goes. Yeah, I mean, they fight on the plane a bit, but... A, l- a little bit, but but Charles forgives him pretty easily. Well, Charles' whole turnaround, which is coming up in the plot, happens in the space of less than a scene. Yeah, true. Granted, there's a lot of sort of magic-y, mutant-y stuff that happens which I don't know how a, you know, a quote-unquote normal person would deal with and how you would compartmentalize that, but his shift happens rather quickly. You know, there is an interesting scene that mm-hmm. we kind of glossed over. There's a scene where uh, Bolivar Trask is trying to sell the Sentinels to the U.S. Congress yeah. and some generals. And there are two generals that are very <laughs> famous. One is Chris Claremont, who wrote X-Men Days of Future Past. Yep. And the other one is Len Wein. Who you recently interviewed for Majorspoilers.com. Yeah, ooh, shameless <laughs> plug. Um, but he was the one that we almost didn't recognize because it looked like he was wearing a wig. I think he was. Yeah. But it was kind of cool to see them both in the movie. Yeah, to see them both included was nice. Um, can we go back a bit and can I ask a question? Yeah, do whatever do whatever you want. Whatever I want. We, this is the time travel. This is the Days of Future Past Major Spoilers podcast. Time travel is all wibbly-wobbly. Okay, here's my question. Okay. JFK's a mutant. Uh, throw me out your idea for what his power was. Because <laughs> oh. I spent like 10 minutes thinking about this in the cinema. The power of seduction. <laughs> oh, so he's like one of those pheromone mutants. He can just yeah. make anyone fall in it, love with him. It explains Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Because JFK, to be honest with you, is not the most good-looking guy. He really wasn't. Like, no. He, he was good-looking for presidents. But pre- yeah, but, pre- I mean, yeah. but most of the American presidents are big, fat, ugly, old men with mustaches. Mutton, with mutton chops. Or mutton chops, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Grover and Cleveland were looking right at you. So, but I don't even know what he looks like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> big mutton chops. Um, so that's why I say his mutant power was the power of seduction. Okay. And, and, and it worked on both sexes. Ooh, there's a story there. Yeah. Explains why Lyndon B. Johnson was the vice president. Does it, though? No, not really. And this is not a political <laughs> podcast, so let's keep on moving. Moving right along. <laughs> uh, so they, they, they uh, get Magneto, they go to Paris, and they confront Raven for the very first time. Now, in this movie, Raven, uh, Mystique, Jennifer Lawrence. Who they call Raven for most of the movie. Well, yeah, yeah. She is in her classic mystique, mostly naked blue. She's not mostly naked. She's totally naked. For most of the movie. Yeah. What did you think of mystique in this movie compared to the last movie? I I have one problem with her. Uh Uh-huh. The problem is, is that they gave her the really bad slicked back hair that they gave Rebecca Romaine. Yeah. And it just looked bad. I wish they would have let her keep her long hair from first class. Yeah. I have a lot. And I know you're not the biggest Jennifer Lawrence fan. I have a lot of issues with with Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique in the first place. And I had problems with this film, especially when the whole, when it was like Logan, Hank, Charles, and Eric driving around in the car because I was like, wow, this is a lot of men. There's not really a lot of women doing very use. Like you have Kitty and Blink and Storm in the future who are all kind of like sitting mm-hmm. around, maybe well, doing but stuff. But Mystique and then, was a very big part I'm of this I'm getting movie. to it. Oh, sorry. And then you get Mystique um, in the past and she's running around doing a lot of stuff. But it very much smacked of me of, oh, Jennifer Lawrence is a big star now. We better write her a big role. Oh, because she's an Oscar winner. Yeah. And because Hunger Games is coming to an end and mm-hmm. that's going to appeal to the Tumblr generation. Um, and that kind of bugged me because it felt a little forced. Mm-hmm. But I will say, um, I thought Jennifer Lawrence was better in this movie than in anything else I'd ever seen her in. Yeah, I'll, uh, I thought I'll give she you was. That. I she was really good, and I actually believed she was Mystique instead of a whiny little girl taking a paycheck, which did, is very much what I felt about First Class. Did you like uh, that they brought back the whole Mystique has the? Uh, Gravity doesn't affect her so she can slide on floors and do karate moves? Um, I don't mind that because I like seeing ladies beat the crap out of men on screen. <laughs> well, I like and, that and... too. I just always thought in the original X-Men movies, it was like she had this weird ability to defy gravity when she did karate moves. Yeah, um, <laughs> I always think that maybe, especially with the sliding on the floor and like whipping her body around the table and stuff, maybe she's got, because her skin is kind of weird, mm-hmm. maybe she's got that thing like hairless cats do and she's covered in like a fine film, so she's kind of slippery anyway. Mm. So. <laughs> True. No, I like the big like uh, fan kicks and stuff from X Men and X Men Two, and it was cool. I like seeing her kick Striker. That brought yeah, me, that Will- brought me joy. William Striker is in this movie as a major. 
Yeah. He's Major William Shorter. And he's, and he's more sur- attractive than he's ever been. Yes, and he apparently is going to have a very rough next 10 years because Wolverine... He's going to turn into Brian Cox. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, well, they show Brian Cox, and I actually think they filmed new footage for this movie because... Brian were... Cox was scary as Stryker. Yeah, but, but there were some new shots. Mm-hmm. They either had unused footage of Brian Cox or or they shot new stuff because there were some I hope shots they shot new stuff. He of deserves work. older Brian Cox that I was like we didn't see that next to at all. Yeah. Um so there we, this comes into the crux of the scene. William Stryker uh in the whole Bolivar Trask uh Xavier and Magneto confront Raven as she's about to kill Bolivar Trask. The event they're trying to prevent, right? Yeah. And she uh, uh, in the whole confusion gets stopped. William Stryker gets shocked. So it almost seems like William Stryker is going to die. And, and Wolverine has his bone claws. And at Wolverine this point. has his bone claws. And Wolverine, this is what I think. This is very much like the Back to the Future disappearing from the photograph scene. Oh, totally. Because it seems like Wolverine is not going to. Wolverine's not going to exist. Yeah. And so he starts like freaking out and having kind of a fit. And then he has a fit in the future and stabs Kitty Pride. Slashes Kitty. Pryde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's pretty. It's a pretty grievous wound. Like it's like she's gonna die from this wound. Yeah, but she can't move because um, then everyone will die. Exactly. And uh, what did you think of that? Did you like that? Because they kind of set it up at the beginning of the movie where they were like, "Hey, you gotta stay calm, Logan." And Logan's like, "I don't do calm." Bub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew stuff like that was gonna happen. Um, I didn't mind it. I'm glad they only did it once. I, I was worried that it was going to be during the climax of the movie, which I'm glad it didn't happen there. Um, but I have to say, I I hate Wolverine with bone claws. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I just, there's something about it that doesn't appeal to me. Maybe it's the aesthetic of it, but as soon as he gets, like, the metal claws and the skeleton, I'm like, yeah, I'm right behind that. I want to be that mutant. But when it's bone claws, I'm like, this is lame. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is that you're 100% behind torture of a Canadian if it fuses metal to their bones. Yeah, yeah, totally. A, a Canadian played by an Australian who everyone thinks is American. You're like, I'll sell my countrymen down the river if it gets them a metal skeleton. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, his bone claws were very ineffective in this movie. Like, so ineffective. Because he, he, well, he, he, he got smacked, him stuck in a sentinel. Yeah, well, he smacked him in a sentinel and it did nothing. Just because they're made of bone. Actually, he's lucky they didn't break off. I but. actually thought they were going to break off. I thought they were going to uh, break like off at one point, and we were going to see, and we were going to see him grow. You know, by the fact, by the way, by the fact, by the fact, and by the way, <laughs> uh, during the same scene, uh, younger Charles Xavier uh, mind scans Wolverine, and they we have a Vulcan mind meld. Yes, and we see I know scenes from every single X Men movie, both Wolverine movies, yep. uh, and X Men X- Last Stand. <laughs> There's quite a lot from X-Men Last Stand, I was surprised. But yeah. it's because of the reveal later on that we'll get to. Uh, yes, 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 we will get to that. So everything goes nuts. Mutants go out in the public. People with their little Zapruder film cameras or 8 millimeters. they capture Beast the Magneto fighting. Yeah, they made a cool... Uh, I thought they used the found footage in a really interesting way. It was a neat. Well, quote, uh, it was, quote, it was unquote, a nice little, a nice little thing. Uh, uh, Wolverine gets his memories back. And uh, so next I want to go to a scene that was my favorite scene in the entire movie. So Charles goes into Cerebro, and he breaks Cerebro. Yeah. And he can't get it to work, and Wolverine's like, read my mind, read my mind. And he does, and young Charles, James McAvoy, Mm -hmm. wakes up in the future and gets to talk to old Charles. And they did a really cool effect. They did this, like looking through a colored glass effect. And it was almost like... I didn't like that effect. Oh, really? Was it against... Go ahead. Say. I didn't like that effect because I wear glasses and contacts. And so when <laughs> anything is out of focus, my eye, like I, my brain panics a little bit. And it's like, no, we can see what's going on. Do We're it. supposed to be able to see. Do I need to put eye drops in? <laughs> yeah. So there was part of me that was like, no, just, just stop and let me see them. Well, I, I dug it because mm-hmm. to me it was like... His younger mind getting acclimated to the future because, as you notice, it started off really strong. Yeah, and they even did this really cool effect that in the same when they shot perspective. Well, no, yeah, you're true, but in the same shot, James McAvoy was in focus and Patrick Stewart was glass. Yes, and then the glass became less and less and less until you boom, they were both in focus. And of course, we get the famous line from the trailer where Patrick Stewart is like, "We need you to hope again." I was yeah, a bad which, which you've been quoting ad nauseum. <laughs> oh, I love it. Xavier always talks about hope in every like. There's that's almost Look, a drinking. You can't game. say I have a dream, so it's got to be hope. We need you to hope. He says hope more than Superman says hope. It's ridiculous. I know, and he he doesn't have a kid in Name or Hope. 
No, and it's he and not. he and he doesn't have a big symbol on his chest that means hope. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> why do you keep saying this? I think it's an S. Uh, so. W- that was Patrick Stewart's last day on set. Yeah. It was James McAvoy's first day on set. They talked about it. Uh, what'd you think? What'd you think of the Charles on Charles scene? The double, the Charles Squared. Charles Squared. I really liked that scene. I wish I had not seen it in the previews. I wish it had surprised me. I think it would have had more impact. You know, uh, I was going to bring up, this is a point that I was going to bring up towards the end when I thought we would like wrap up all the movie Sorry. and talk about it. No, no, no. It, no, don't apologize. <laughs> this is loosey-goosey. Whatever. We go. Um, I thought that the best moments of the movie, save for Quicksilver, were all spoiled in the trailer. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I, I think every big moment, every wow moment, except for Quicksilver, was in every trailer. Like I feel, I feel with the trailers, I saw a scene or a piece of dialogue from every single scene in that movie. Yeah, or from the scenes that they released, mm-hmm. um, which weren't necessarily in the trailers. I think that's pretty accurate. I also felt like that scene in particular was like watching a master acting class. Like you got to see the veteran who's won all the awards, and then you get to see James McAvoy who. I have mixed feelings about personally, but you can definitely tell that he's on, he's got a very good career trajectory. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of cool, like from an acting standpoint, to watch them play off each other. And if that's James McAvoy's first day on set, that's like a big deal. It's pretty impressive. It's like, hey, just go and like hang out with Patrick Stewart for 12 hours. What do you think about Ian McKellen basically being set dressing in this movie? He, uh, he, Ian McKellen shows up and I'm happy. He really didn't do anything. And no, the, the coolest thing he did was when he went out and... Fought he, the... I'm going to call him uh, uh, the, the, the... Future Sentinel? Well, yeah. I, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a name for a specific type of Sentinel that's like super futuristic. Oh. And I cannot I remember know. it. I'll, I'll remember later. Yeah, but when you saw the... You the saw Nimrod the, Sentinels. Thank you. Nimrod. Yeah, because they're like the super like the future Sentinels. In Greek mythology. S- sorry to interrupt you. Keep going. Yeah, stop it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really liked the parallel where you got to see him go out in the preparation know that knowing that he's going to go die mm-hmm. um to fight the sentinels and then you saw fastbender um bringing the ba- baseball stadium yeah. to go attack like he's going for his last stand against the american government and i thought the parallel of those two scenes was, well let, let's talk about great. that so this all builds to uh this press conference that's on the white house lawn richard nixon is like we're gonna we're gonna do the sentinels folks here we go yeah pretty good um analog they got that actor he looked great he looked great. And so uh, Charles and Wolverine and Hank go there to stop Raven, who's going to uh, shoot Bolivar Trask. Trask. And then Magneto's loose. And Magneto, you see this scene where he's on a train, and he takes the train tracks, and he puts the train tracks into the Sentinels and he, bonds he them with like, them. He breaks them down and like weaves it into their circuitry exactly. and stuff. It was really cool. Well, it was cool. Except and I, it was the time I noticed the CGI more than anything else. True. It was cool. But later in the movie, just him doing that made him get computer control of the Sentinels? Yeah, like when he was like, go do what you were made to do, and it just wanders off to go kill mutants. He's like, metal in my brain, make me do what you want. It didn't make sense. It didn't quite make sense. No, it didn't bother me that much, though. But anyways, so Magneto goes to this baseball diamond, and he just lifts the stadium, and at first you're just like, what are you doing? Are you just showing off? I was totally waiting for like Bane and his lackeys to come tumbling out of one of the dogouts. (laughs) I know it's a football stadium, but still. (laughs) He's just like, take control of your city. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, that's what I'm doing. You know, he lifts the stadium. Uh, But I did like the idea that it was, and I that Magneto was taking this baseball diamond to create a fence around the White House. Yeah, that was really to cool. Box. Oh, he he could have done it a little bit better, but then he took control of the Sentinels, and he went there with the intention of killing everyone, basically all of the White House and the staff. Yeah, the senior staff, which didn't and on camera too. Like he turns on all the cameras. Yeah, it didn't quite make sense. Charles and Wolverine and Beast were very ineffective, and Wolverine is impaled with all this rebar. Yeah, that was really scary that was rough that was when I was like I was really rough and he throws him into the bottom of a river what's Uh, the river in Washington the Potomac I believe so yes don't quote me on that I've never been to Washington (laughs) D.C. Washington D.C. listeners uh, please let us know but so he went there to kill the president and all them and then Raven stops him yeah on camera Uh, thoughts I thought that if she was going to shoot him in the neck um, 
he should have suffered for it a little more. He like falls, well, she kicks him and he falls down and then he stands back up and he's not bleeding. It's like scabbed over and everything. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, Again, I felt like they were like, oh, well, we have Jennifer Lawrence. Let's make her shoot Michael Fassbender. <laughs> um, I thought it was a um an interesting choice as far as storytelling, but a weak moment the way it was executed. I thought over- that this this climax was was very weak. I really do. I think because it smacked the most of a big Hollywood blockbuster mm-hmm. as opposed to like a comic book. Well, movie. also, this was being intercut with the future footage because in the future, the Sentinels had finally found them and the Sentinels were like, we're going to kill all you they future just X-Men. murder everyone. And, and you get to see Storm Impaled. You get to see Bobby's head crush. Colossus is ripped in half. That was nine-year-old me was like, Oh my god! <laughs> and they show all of it. It's pretty like and um, rough. oh, what's his name? The one who can see them Sun- coming? Uh, Not Sunspot. Warpath. Yeah, Warpath gets his face burned off. Yep. Um, Blink gets stabbed by three people at the same time. Three, three huge. Sunspot's sentinels. arm gets ripped off, and then he gets exploded. Yeah, yeah. Mag- Bishop gets exploded. Yeah, Bishop gets exploded. Magneto gets stabbed in the gut. Yeah. Um, and their last ditch attempt, and so basically Magneto just leaving. But he leaves his helmet behind. I wonder if that's significant. And Mystique leaving changes the future somehow. I didn't really understand. So that was the yeah. big climax of the movie that them leaving was supposed to change the future somehow. Whereas I the events of the future seem to allude to that they needed to get together and work as a team or exactly. a family. And they still all Exactly. Left. Because, uh, you know, Magneto says, Magneto says this very specific line. He was like, if you leave me here, Charles... You know they'll kill me. Yeah. And and Charles goes, I'm, I'm as good as dead, I think is what he Yeah, yeah. I, I know, Eric. I know. I was waiting for the very next line to be like, that's why you need to come back to the school. Yeah. And we bring the team back together. Or even even for Eric to have a line that's like, but put more eloquently than this, like, do you have a spare room or do you have Something. somewhere I could stay? Yes. And then because like that seemed to be the lesson because we get to see this nice little scene back in the future between Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Although we wasted so many years we wasted hating so, each yeah. other. If we could have a precious few more together. Ian McKellen's like precious death scene, right? But Magneto just leaves. Mystique just leaves. Limps off. And that's all we see of the past. And, yeah, yeah. and Logan... Wakes back up and has the... been drowning for like ten minutes oh, now. Yeah, he's long. He's brain dead. <laughs> I don't care healing factor or not. He's done. Yeah. So Logan wakes back up in the future, and here we get the new X Men timeline. A, a soft re- reboot. A soft <laughs> reboot of the X Men timeline. It's 2023. We're in the school. Tell everybody about the school. I feel like I'm talking too much, and I, oh. I apologize, Ashley. I'm not. Upset You're just like I love this movie so much. I don't want to say anything. Yeah. Here's something I didn't like. Um, Anna Paquin was back as Rogue. Uh, you know what? She was basically cut out of the movie, though. Fantastic, because she's terrible. I don't think Anna Paquin is a terrible <laughs> actress. I think she's a terrible rogue. Well, we'll set up the scene for everybody so that we know so we're talking about. So Logan wakes up in the future. Yeah, back in 2023. Uh, back in 2023, which is actually 2013. And it's almost the same shot as when you see him waking up in the past, which mm-hmm. is kind of nice. And he rolls out of bed, and there's a futuristic little alarm clock playing golden oldies music. A hologram. And Yeah, with a hologram on the top. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets up, he goes into the hall, he sees, and in the, in the apoc- post-apocalyptic future, Kitty Pride and Bobby Drake are together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so he goes out in the hall, and the first thing he sees is uh, Rogue and Bobby, Bobby Drake yeah. together, as it should be, and he's like, oh man, this and is then so he... different, and then there's kids in the school, mm-hmm. and they're running about. It's bustling, the school looks cool, it's very it's filled. Yeah. <laughs> he goes into another room, and Kitty and Colossus are there teaching, mm-hmm. and the fangirl inside me is so thrilled. Um, he walks down the hall, and Kelsey Grammer, as Beast. as Beast, walks past him, and it's so fantastic. The makeup looked a little weird, but I was- I don't even care. I was so happy to see Kelsey Grammer. Because <laughs> uh, he's wasted. And then he goes down the stairs in the hallway, and- and turns, and there's a girl with really bright Kool-Aid red hair yeah, yeah. in a really bright Kool-Aid red dress. Yeah, and it's obviously who? And it's uh, it's Jean. But then, but then. And she looks great. She looks good. She's uh, like 50 years old, he, and she's still like Fomska Johnson. beautiful. It's amazing. And he but goes up to her. then we get the coolest cameo in the movie. And he goes to touch her hair, yes. and then. A hand grabs his hand <laughs> and says, easy, buddy, and it's Cyclops. Yeah, with really lame glasses. With really bad Star Trek sunglasses. I mean, they're cool the first time you see them, because you're like, oh, it's like the visor, and then you're like, no, they're lame. I literally cheered. 
Uh, I, I, I was literally, so happy that Cyclops I literally back. cheered. Like, I heard rumors that he was in this movie, but I was like, yes, he's back. Yeah. So basically, X-Men Last Stand is out of continuity. Totally, totally doesn't even matter. <laughs> so you don't need to, when you watch X-Men and X2, you don't need to be like, Man, I should watch X3. Just skip right the Days of Future Past. Yeah. Just skip right the Days of Future Past. So, uh, (laughs) and then Xavier is in it, and uh, Wolverine says, like, oh, the last thing I remember is, is, you know, Drowning. drowning. And Xavier realizes that he's like, oh, it's the James McAvoy time travel trip now thing. Oh, now I can talk to you. Welcome back. Yeah, exactly. Welcome back. And then we cut back to the past, and we get probably... The weirdest foreshadowing well, scene. Well, true. But I was going to say, this was a very weird way to end this movie. The final scene, uh, go ahead and go on and tell them the final scene. Excuse me. Um, The final scene is Wolverine's at the bottom of what is possibly the Potomac River. The maybe Potomac <laughs> River. May or may not be the Potomac River. And you see him getting dragged out with all the rebar through him. And he's on top of what looks like a piece of a metal fence. And what looks suspiciously like the thing that he was on top of when he came out of the tank in the project. Yeah, a lot of lot of foreshadowing, and it and it's major striker. And it's striker right there. Well, but then it reveals that it's mystique. Yeah, and so it's striker, and then they say, "What are we going to do with him?" Oh my god, he's alive! I got plans. Yeah, and he's like, "Bring him with me. I've got plans." And then it just cuts to credits. And well, you see her little yellow contacts. I thought that was a weird ending scene. Yeah, it was fan service because the studio heads and the writer were like, "People like Wolverine. We should talk about Wolverine one yeah. more time." Well, I just don't. I don't see the point of what revealing that as Mystique does. Like, it, it makes it, Mystique like really mean. It doesn't add anything. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It should have ended with um, Charles and Logan. I don't know, sitting down mm-hmm. and having a cracking history book or something. And then cut to credits. We roll through the credits, and at the very end. Of the why credits. Don't, why don't you tell us about that scene? Oh, man. I feel like you know more about it than I oh, do. Oh, <laughs> you have no idea. I was so happy. I was so happy. There's another thing we discussed before what we thought the end credit scene was because I, I was like, I have no idea. I was so <laughs> close to Yeah, Jason it. almost called it. <laughs> I, uh, I knew it was going to be something with Insabanur. I was like, and I, I kind of figured they showed that Chinese temple and I was like, I have a feeling they're going to find the Chinese wall and they're going to see Insabanur and scrawled on it. But they did something even better. They cut to this Egyptian scene, and you see, you hear people chanting in Sabaner, in Sabaner. A horde and, of people. And I didn't think they were going to show him. They they showed this hooded figure. I actually thought it was a girl when they first pulled oh, around, yeah? and I was like, "Who is that?" And they and they and he's holding up his hands, and you see the pyramids being built yeah. by like mutant powers. And the camera turns around, and it's blue skinned, blue lipped, young apocalypse. Yeah. And they're just chanting, in Sabaner, in Sabaner, cut. Holy crap. I think that's an awesome end credit scene, but I feel like it's going to be like the first end credit scene where they reveal the Tesseract, where most people aren't going to get it. It's exactly like the Thanos Avengers scene. Yeah, it's it's for the people who, it's, you know, it's for the major spoilers people. <laughs> oh, I'm fine with that, you know. <laughs> it's for the, I'm not saying there's a problem with that, but I'm saying as far as general audiences go, I think it's going to miss a mark a so, little bit. So, uh, let's just, we, we've talked through the movie, we just kind of like talk through the plot. Yeah. I hope that's a good way to talk about the movie, right? Sure. I mean, we so sparked about it, we had enough discussion. What do you what, what do you think overall about X Men Days of Future Past? Like just general thoughts and and any scenes or anything that we just kind of miss. What do you think? Uh, I mean, there were scenes that we didn't talk about, but none of them that I think were like super interesting. Like Mystique seducing and beating people up we is s- only so interesting to me. Well, we've, seen, we've seen it before. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've seen it in every X Men movie ever. Do you think this is the best X Men movie ever made? No. What is the best X Men movie? X Two. Okay. I think, um, and I kind of feel this way about some other trilogies of, of movies as well. I feel like X-Men is, the first one is very story heavy, and it needs to be. It's the origin story uh-huh. without really being an origin story, which is cool. And I think that X-Men 2 is, for an X-Men story, the perfect balance of action and story on on film. My For me. F- oh, go my favorite is actually First Class. I know. Uh, I, I just feel, and, and it may be Matthew Vaughn, I feel the emotional beats of First Class. I think it's fast. Are so spectacular. No, I, I've said this time and time again. Like, I think it's the McAvoy Fassbender relationship. Yeah. Like, you truly see their friendship happen, and you see like their pain. And and I will say that this is one of my problems about this movie, and this is why I do not think this is the best X Men movie ever made. It's really good. It's probably in the top three. But I put it in the top three. Th- there was a lot of this movie 
where I thought that it was just flat. It mm. was there was no tension builds, no spectacular moments of yeah. And a lot of it was flat. Part of that might have been in the music. I thought the music was really eh. The music sucked. I think part of it too is that if you have any knowledge of how comic books go, even mm. if you're vaguely aware of the Days of Future Past timeline, you know that none of this is going to really matter because it's going to be a reboot. True. So I think that kind of in like that pre-existing knowledge, ooh, I punched my pop filter, invalidates <laughs> um, a lot of what could be really well, heavy emotional. Beats. I also think too that there were a lot of moments in this movie where Brian Singer was just calling out homages to his previous movies. Oh, yeah. And and the advertising was like that, too. It was like, by Brian Singer, you know, the guy who did the good X-Men movies. Well, we had Magneto uh, uh, flip around uh, metal balls again. We had They were bigger and scarier this we time. We had a Cerebro scene that was exactly like a Cerebro scene we've seen before. Yeah. Like, there were, there were a lot of call-outs to previous X-Men movies, and I think that, I, I, I don't know, for me, those didn't work because I think because of first class I was like oh you can do new stuff in this universe and it works whereas Brian Singer I think a lot of times the only new thing I think he introduced mm-hmm. was Quicksilver yeah that was something new and it was fantastic maybe that's why it was so exciting exactly whereas everything else I was like I've seen this before I've seen Magneto control metal before I've seen Magneto fly before I've seen Wolverine try to fight somebody before. Yeah, but how much can you do with those characters on like within the restrictions of the film universe? Well, that's true. So... And, and that's why I think something First Class did so much better than Days of Future Past was because we got to see those scenes of people lifting stuff and moving stuff, yeah. but there was an emotional element to it. That they totally dropped when the kids showed up, but yeah. Yeah, well, but <laughs> but no, but even the whole fact of like the, yeah, in the yeah. climax of that movie where he lifts the submarine, that's an emotional scene. That's yeah. not an action scene. It's an action scene, but it has this emotional power. Yeah, there was definitely more action movie beats in this. Top three X-Men movies, go. The top three? For you, yeah. Uh, First Class, X-Men 2, I'd probably put Days of Future Past third. Yeah. And then X1. Hmm. What do you think? I would do, I would do X2, X-Men, and then Days of Future Past. Interesting. Interesting. That's how I would do it, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Ashley, let's before you, you know, I think we've had enough discussion. Any other points you want to bring up about this or anything like that? You should go see it, listeners. Well, that's what I was just about to ask you. <laughs> Would you recommend this to a friend? Um, well, I think all of my friends have seen it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, to any of my friends who are dollars, I would absolutely recommend you see it. Um, and I think it, it does a really good job of putting a lot of the exposition in there. You mm-hmm. don't have to have a lot of knowledge of even the previous X-Men movies to get the story. I, I think you would miss a lot, though. You would, but I think you could go in, and I think most people have seen at least one of them oh, yeah, by yeah. this point, but I think you could go into it without having seen them all. True. Um, and you could be like, oh, okay, yeah, like, I kind of know what's going on. And I almost think you almost would be better off if you had only seen X-Men 1 and 2. You, you, you almost don't yeah. need first class. Because a lot of the events of First Class are almost negated by this movie. Yeah, that's true. But I think you would miss something um, of the Charles and true. Uh, Eric relationship. But yeah, I think I think anyone could go into this and really enjoy it. Uh, but I would be worried about taking tiny children to it. Yeah, because it's not bloody and gory, but it's violent. It's very violent. I would hate to see that little kid whose favorite X fan is Colossus just cry when Colossus yeah, dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, mommy, why? <laughs> yeah, that would be really sad. Uh, I would totally recommend this movie. Yeah. Do you think? you'll see it again yeah uh like nine more times uh, yeah i'm sorry we, we already talked about this it's folks it's a late night it, it's it, really late it's very late like we saw this movie uh very late and it's and it, we're recording this podcast very late so we're a little sparse will, will you see it again uh well yes i i will see it at least one more time in theaters because uh. there is a lot of elements There's, it's like an onion it's like an X-Men onion, and i want to <laughs> unwrap some layers and and plus i want to see if i'm less judgmental on it I had my expectations kind of high for this one, yeah. Um, but I would totally recommend it. Like I said, I the third best X Men movie in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> the third, you know, it's not solid the... bronze medal there, Brian Singer. <laughs> <laughs> this is the bronze medal of X Men movies. This is what's a country that does like mildly well in the Olympics? Canada. This is like the Canada of the Summer Olympics because we only win the Winter Olympics. You know, and you know, I think that's a perfect place to end it. So. 
listeners, uh, if you enjoyed our special Major Spoilers, talk about the X-Men Days of Future Past, you know what you should do? You should head on over to Majorspoilers.com yeah. and you can share your thoughts of the movie in the X-Men Days of Future Past talkback post. Let us know if you think this is a silver or a gold medal X-Men movie. <laughs> we don't know. What's Is there a fourth place? There isn't a fourth place. Nobody no. cares about fourth. <laughs> That's all you tried. That's like the Wolverine. Yeah, true. Well, you know, uh, we want to real quick thank everybody who is a Major Spoilers VIP and uh, thank you so much for your special contribution to make this special episode to allow Ashley and me to share our thoughts to you through the interwebs. That's Thank because you. of listeners and contributors like that, you know, and you get to go to a special site, members.majorspoilers.com, where there's all kinds of cool stuff. If you just, you know, donate the cost of a comic book, it's that yeah. easy. And, you know, uh, you can find me on Twitter if you want to find me outside of the Major Spoilers at Jawin. That's J-A-W-I-I-N. You know, go follow me. I, I talk about comic books a lot and, and share a lot of crazy comic book pictures. Ashley, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at Ashley V. Robinson on the Twitter where I am frequently in conflict with Matthew Peterson <laughs> at Mighty King Cobra. <laughs> and don't forget to follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Major Spoilers and go to Majorspoilers.com. So that's it for X-Men Days of Future Past. Woo! Uh, we had a great time at the movie. You should go to the movie and then go right to Majorspoilers.com and give your very thoughts on the movie. Can we go see it again now? Sure. Cool. All right. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers. Find the X-ray vision of a Superman. I could save some bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the rack. And although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he'd make me wait out on the corner. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. Oh, wait, I think I found a better way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would you bag and board your comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, 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 yeah What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2014